My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. So Matthew, today I want to have a conversation that actually you and I have been talking about having for a few weeks now. And I was almost hoping that we wouldn't have to have this conversation because the world would change, but it's just getting more and more necessary. So we're going to talk about anger today, okay? That sounds good. You getting angry? We, I guess I'm getting angry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Why are we talking about anger now? Like, where do you see anger show up in our world right now? Well, and I think right now it's really poignant. It's it's everywhere. We have people who are incredibly frustrated. It's showing up on our news media. I mean, it shows up on the news media continually. When you deal with an election year, um, there is anger and resentment building up within so many people. And then I think with COVID, again, you have issues of freedom being challenged and you have just a million different views on that and some of the tension is boiling over whether it be social media which is kind of the typical boil over space for sure but you have it boiling over in relationships all over the place and you see it within the church yeah and even beyond that there's social justice and fighting for equal treatment of people whatever their skin color absolutely Um, yeah connection groups are feeling that that frustration anger boil over like we should be meeting together every week no we shouldn't meet together what are we going to do so yeah you said like man it's within churches too it's within our body it's not just out there in the world are, are there particular issues you think that Christians get hung up on, or are we dealing with the same anger as everyone else? I think we're dealing with the same anger as absolutely everyone else. Yeah. And that's the thing that, again, is a challenge to us as a church. Like, in our anger, we should act differently because of what we cling to, what we hold to as key things. Primarily that God is on his throne and nothing is going to take him off his throne. Yeah. And just to be totally honest, I like to view myself as kind of like a a centrist, like I, I don't want to be so hardline one way or another. I want to find wisdom in the middle, but I'm still angry that people are polarized. You know? yeah, so even absolutely. as I'm trying to like, I wish I could view myself as above the fray, but I'm, man, I'm no different than anyone else. And so I think it's easy for me to look at people throwing pot shots across the aisle or whatever at each other and misunderstanding each other and then be frustrated at them for being angry at each other and just be part of the problem too. I mean, I think in working at a church, you see brothers and sisters in Christ who hold opinions that are opposing one another and trying to mitigate between the two while holding my own opinions about things too. And yeah, it gets to be a mess. Yeah. Okay, so anger. Is anger just inherently wrong? Should we just stop being angry like it's sin? Just get rid of all anger? Well, I think you see anger displayed in the scriptures. And of course, the Lord himself displays anger and frustration at sin. And like early in the Older Testament, you see the Lord angry with the people of Israel because they continuously follow after other gods. They continue to forget his faithfulness to them over and over and over and over and over again. And then you see in the New Testament, Jesus Christ walking into his temple, flipping tables and clearing out the people, the money changers. And you, so you see it in the scriptures. And then in Ephesians, I think it's really pointedly addressed that Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Yeah. Ephesians and, 4. Yeah. Ephesians 4, right. So I think anger is okay, but we have to ask ourselves, like, are we angry about righteous things? Mm. So my wife and I recently read the book, What Did You Expect by Paul Tripp. And the book is, book's context is marriage. 
and he asked, like, when was the last time you were upset about sin in your life that disrupted your marriage? Rather than making, like, these blanket shots at evangelicals or the church or just these vague things, you know? There's, so there's something really helpful in that when we see that Jesus, God in flesh, the perfect reflection of God's character and nature in, in human flesh, being angry at certain specific things. Mm-hmm. But not ministering out of this angry, like, frustrated life, but still, yeah, there are moments where his anger is just and righteous and holy. But too often in my own life, I'm quick to go, well, I'm right, so I should be angry about that. Like, no, that person shouldn't have said it that way, therefore I'm going to be angry. But I know that I'm not perfect, even though Jesus was. And so he could have gone through that situation and been angry appropriately. Man, I'm not, because... Mm -hmm my anger is shot through with pride because I'm selfish and I want things to go my way. And so I'm going to slap God's God's name on it or justice or whatever, but more of it is I want to win and I want my team to win, if that makes sense. That's, that's exactly right. Because I think when we enter into things that we're passionate about, there might be things that are worth being passionate about, but they are not the gospel. They are mm. not the central things that are worth being angry about. But in our own minds, you know, we've listened to people who, you know, are, they're kind of an echo chamber. And so it goes from level like two importance to level seven importance. And we start mulling over it. And so it quickly, our passions and our desires quickly rise to the level of gospel. And then when we see somebody not living out our gospel, we, we freak out. We yeah. get angry. So I think a helpful principle already that listening at home, I want you to think about this. Anger shows me what I care about. Anger shows me. It just points me to what moves my heart. And often the things that move my heart aren't actually what moves God's heart, right? Absolutely. And so, yeah, Matthew, exactly what you're saying. There's something in that that we need to start applying into our lives where Man, if I see a believer who disagrees with me on a certain issue, that's not to the core level of the gospel, but even though I think I'm right, I'm justified, whatever, if I'm angry at that other believer, if I'm frustrated, if I'm if I'm even saying in my mind, well, oh, how could they? How could they? I need to slow down looking over at them in anger and actually look at my own heart and see what's the sin that grieves God? What's the sin that that's actually there that needs to be dealt with? And let's be frank, guys. Okay, you listening at home by yourself, it's just you, me, and Matthew, okay? It's just the three of us and the Holy Spirit, so he's with us too. I get it's really easy to look at other Christians and go, man, how could they hold that political opinion? How could they vote for that person? How could they side with that issue of Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, whatever? How, how could they take that stance on wearing masks, not wearing masks? Like, that's so easy. We all are doing that, but when we start going to that place, oh, how could they even, how, you know, for another believer who in Christ with us on something that's a wisdom issue or or a cultural engagement issue, we got to be really careful that our anger, um, we're not kind of slapping God's name on something that actually isn't as clear in the scriptures as we might think it is. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we're processing through is that you know, that idea of God's kingdom and the idea of our kingdom. Mm. And so when our kingdom isn't being met, and quite frankly, I think a lot of us have a perpetual heaven here on earth in the United States of America. And the reality is that this is not heaven. It never will be heaven. And so when you think that this is it, you're selling heaven short, Mm. really, really short. But then you're also going to be more 
you know, you're going to be more susceptible to becoming angry when your heaven is being interrupted, when your heaven is being adjusted. And, you know, that's a, a tough spot to be in. Yeah. And and your your heaven or your, your paradise could be your picture of what your marriage might look like, or you're angry because you're not married. Could be kids behaving a certain way. It could be yeah, your career path, your financial state, your weekend, how you wanted to spend that. There, there are lots of things that, yeah, exactly what you're saying. We kind of want eternity now, but we want a really pale reality. And what you listed there too, I mean, you can tie like my reference to your heaven into your comfort. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. I like my comfort. I like my constitution. I like my health. I like my family. I would like it if my family did this. I would like it if the politicians did that. You know, and so all those things too have a huge impact on you. And so therefore your response is really a lot about you. Yeah. So, okay, what we're seeing is we're in this epidemic of anger in our society. It's across the board. You name the issue, you name the community. There are things to get angry about. And we're seeing that anger in itself isn't inherently sin because God expresses righteous anger. But for us as humans, when we trace the root of our anger, when when we look at the fact that anger is just showing us, exposing what our hearts are really moved by, more often than not, it's by stuff much less than, than God's justice, character, goodness. And often it's maybe a false view of, of what the good life looks like, mm-hmm. what the kingdom of God looks like, because we've twisted it to sort of be our picture. Is, is that fair to say? Is that kind of where we're at in this conversation? Well, yeah. And I think another aspect that we haven't touched on yet, and we can't touch on all aspects here today, but like one of the aspects of anger is that it is a result of grief. Mm. You know, we're, we're sorrowful. Mm. Um, we're, we're an angst because people have been mistreated by people that should be trusted. Yeah. Whether it be within the church or whether it be within the police department. Like, people should be treated a certain way and our heart breaks. Yeah. And because we can't necessarily do anything about it, like, we can't solve the issue right away. And there's so much tension there and it's spinning within us that it leaks out, it comes out as anger, vitriol anger, and grief, you know, at the maybe the loss of a family member at an untimely time. Like, we need to grieve these things. We need to grieve the changes in our country because our country has been incredible. It's been a blessing to be a part of this country. But realizing that in those things, like, are we at anger or have we grieved? Mm. You know, with your family in times where maybe things were better last year. Maybe things were better two years ago in your marriage. And that's a reality. They were better two years ago. And now things, you're in a difficult spot. And so there's grief there. Mm. And so one way that anger pours itself out is because we haven't grieved that things have changed. Yeah. And grief is a very real thing. It's a very powerful thing. And in the United States of America, we like to ignore it like the plague. You know, if we're sad for two weeks, we just call ourselves depressed and, you know, and we, we need help for that. And, and it's okay to grieve. Um, our country has gone through a lot. Some of the abuses that have happened in this country, grieve them, mourn over them, lament, um, just be sorrowful, show emotion, you know, and some of the disappointments of whether it's our healthcare system or politics or something like that, like grieve those things, you know, we can boil over and and be so busy yelling at each other too, but we're not processing it well. Hmm. We're not taking it in and mourning what was and being challenged because, you know, if we live in that past, 
it's a grief that it's not going to be that way always. Yeah. So, so to deal with our anger, one, we need to understand what anger is and what it's not. We're not saying all anger is just the plague, get rid of it, don't even think about it, but it shows us our hearts. But then two in that, even as we see the stuff in our hearts, we don't just say, oh, okay, don't feel those emotions anymore. We have to do something with that. We have to acknowledge a reality. Yeah, so, so Matthew, how do we deal with our anger appropriately? You're saying grieve, lament. How do you how do you do that well as a Christian, right? How do we grieve as those with a hope? How do we expose the stuff in our hearts about anger and actually deal with it well? What do we do? Like, like say somebody's listening right now and they're convicted and they're going, oh man, yeah, I've been angry about stuff and really it's exposing a, a false view of, of heaven, something like that. What do we do about that, man? I think one of the things that, especially for us as believers, we have hope mm-hmm. because we have the kingdom of God and we have God on his throne. And I think as Christians, no matter what is happening around us, whether it be persecution or sorrow or anger within us, we need to go back to that reality. You know, we just got through the Romans chapter 8 and remembering that God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Secondly, I think we need to evaluate if we've created a heaven here on earth, that's wrong. We're worshiping something other than God because this is not heaven. And so in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulations. Peter talks about fiery trials. And so there are going to be challenges that face you. They're going to be. And so, you know, when it it talks about in Philippians 4, it talks about anxiety and it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. And so that reality that the Lord is at hand. And so, you know, if you're putting all your stock in this nation, if you're putting all your stock in your health, you need to remember that there's another kingdom that isn't changing. There's another kingdom where there is no sickness. There's another kingdom where there's no change of politicians. There's another kingdom that is perfect, that won't have racial issues and injustices. It will be perfect. And so not, I'm not talking about like sticking your head in the clouds or burying yourself in the sand. Like we need to move away from that kind of foolishness. But understanding that going back, practicing what we preach, remembering God, if the root of it is grief, you know, grieving, but not grieving like those who have no hope, because in the end we win. No matter what happens to the United States of America, no matter who is elected the next for the president of the United States, no matter how long COVID goes, whether you get COVID or not, Jesus is on his throne. And we know Jesus Christ. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because of the work he did for us and remembering those things. Like it's not just Sunday school. It's not just church talk. It's the hope that sustains us no matter what the issue is. Yeah. And, and where, where my anger catches me off guard is where the places where I don't look at Jesus on his throne, I look at my plans not working out. Yeah. So there was a season in my life where my, I, I was surprised at the road rage bubbling out of me because I didn't consider myself that way. But I was like flipping people off in my head as I'm driving down the road, which was just very odd for me to realize I was doing that. And it was because I had this visceral response to things not going the way that I wanted them to go. And I was it was bubbling up and being expressed over somewhere else. And fundamentally what was going on in my heart was I was mad that I wasn't in control and I wasn't looking at the at the good promises of God. And the fact that he was always in control, 
even when his plan was not what I expected. And as I learned to repent of my um, worshiping my own control, like turn from that and turn towards God and see how Jesus actually on the cross put himself in a place where he was out of control, so to speak, not out of the Father's will, but like talk about being out of control, being taken by guards when you could call an angel army and choosing to let yourself be dragged, beaten, whipped, nailed to a cross. When again, he could have called down chariots of fire and choosing to be there, take that on the cross to satisfy the Father's will so that we could enter in to the Father's perfect plan. I'm never going to suffer more than Jesus did in the moment when he drank the cup of God's wrath. And he can understand me when I feel like things are out of control and not going the way I want. He, he can understand that and he wants to meet me there and change me and turn my eyes to see the Father's will. And what you said is so key for us because we don't think about four-way stops and the guy that comes through, it wasn't his turn yet, he's on right, the left. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. Like that's what we need to bring in to the situations is all that you said about Jesus Christ and his gospel and him taking the wrath of God. We can chill out. We can chill out. Now, Preach there's it to a me. law. I need it. I need it. There's yeah. a law that says the person on the right should go first. But hey, praise God you didn't dent your car. Praise God nobody was harmed. You still made it to work. Maybe you were point two seconds late. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like in the eternal scheme of things, nothing happened. Yeah. It didn't matter. And so bringing that into mask wearing, I mean, there's so many practical things and masks are at one level, but then we have the racial issues in our society at a significantly different level, I think. And just processing through, like going to that filter of what Christ did for us. And when we take Jesus' finished work at the level of a stop sign, we kind of build our muscles of going back to the gospel so that when things are bigger angrier, more painful on a national level, we've kind of built up our gospel reflexes to be ready for those conversations. And friends, if we are that kind of people, we will actually be able to engage in issues on national level as a redemptive presence. The world doesn't need us as Christians to just be as angry as everyone else. The world actually needs us to be ambassadors for a new kind of kingdom. Amen. But the way we're going to do that is by looking at our king who we're an ambassador of. So so we will be better for our city and for our neighbors and our nation if we learn on kind of the level of small things to, to turn our anger back to God and to deal with things in light of the cross mm-hmm. and to let our hearts line up for what grieves God's heart. Amen. And clinging to that, whether you're dealing with your children, whether you're dealing with your wife, whether you're dealing with your church, whether you're dealing with a mask, and whether you're dealing with protesting or riots or the Constitution or the President of the United States or local government or school starting, all that, the gospel applies to all that. It gives us hope no matter what that circumstance is. Give your grief, give your anger, give your desire for control and comfort, giving it over to the Lord. Sniff it out. Where is it at in your heart? Root it out and throw it away. Yeah. So this week, let's let's start practicing that, guys. And let's practice that and apply that in, in community. Um, finding those places where we are angry about things that are much less than God's glory and his kingdom advancing or, or the sin that grieves him in our lives. And turning back to him with the finished work of the cross to transform our anger into something better. And guys, the hope is as we do that, as we practice that, Jesus will be honored 
even by us practicing that and failing and stumbling, you'll be honored as we walk in grace and the world will see a different example. We will be a transforming presence in our society, not because we're trying to make the kingdom come here, but because we're trying to be witnesses of a good king that did something for us. So we, we love you, Veritas. We hope that this is equipping you. We hope this is helping you to deal with your anger and to live in a society where, where this is going on right now in a way that honors Jesus. So we hope this is helping you become a mature disciple. Um, we hope this is helping you be an everyday missionary and ultimately all of this for the glory of God. Mm-hmm.